0: Welcome to the Faith Cove podcast. We are glad you are here today. May God bless you in order for you to be a blessing to those around you. So, you may have noticed that Pastor Kurt is not with us today. He is actually down in San Diego with his mom, which I think is lovely, but he's taken a week. Um, study leave. So if you'd be praying for him, he is preparing sermon series. Um, and so just covering that in prayer would be lovely. And his travel back, of course, when he comes. Instead, though, we have a wonderful guest. We have Reverend Keith Carpenter. He has been a covenant pastor for over 39 years. He recently retired at the end of 2020 from Kent Covenant Church. And in 2021, he took a denominational position as the director of church engagement. And so today, he and his wife have joined us and he's gonna share a message with us. And so would you please help me welcome Pastor Keith Carpenter. Thank you, Linda. Well, I'm delighted. To be with you here today. Uh, over the years, I've heard so many great things about Faith Covenant Church in Sumner, and uh, so it really is an honor to be here. Um, and uh, Mother's Day of all days. Now, I don't want you to worry, I'm not going to try and preach a Mother's Day sermon, okay? Uh, that's way too complicated for a visiting pastor, preacher, and, you know, I even would say about 10 or 15 years ago, as the pastor of the church, I gave up on that one. It's a challenge. But I do hope that all of you who are mothers uh, have a wonderful day, and um, that all of us, um, you know, have some good thoughts and good memories about our mothers. um, As we were worshiping today, and it was mentioned, I was thinking about my own mother, and I've already heard from my brothers. Uh, She went home to be with the Lord in 2015 uh, at the age of 99. Yeah, so she did well, and um, it was time for her to go. We all knew that, but she hung on. She died four days after her 99th birthday. So I know she was hanging on for that last birthday opportunity. So in any case, um, I pray that today is a blessing for you. Uh, And I am subbing in for Pastor Kurt. Uh, and he had the opportunity to go and be with his mother today, so I just think that's an awesome and a wonderful thing, and I'm delighted that he has that chance, and I want to give a little shout out to my own wife, Michelle, the mother of our three children and the grandmother of two. Michelle, would you stand up for just a moment so folks can see who you are? Yeah, that's Michelle. So, as Linda mentioned, um, I've been a covenant pastor for over 39 years, and I retired from Kent Covenant Church at the end of 2020, right in the middle of the pandemic. I would just say not a great time to retire, but none of us knew the pandemic was coming and, you know, it had been planned ahead of time, Uh, and so I went ahead and did that and then started this new position as director of church engagement with the covenant denomination. Now, everybody wonders, they ask me this all the time, okay, well, but what do you do? What is your job? And really, it's, it's a fantastic position. I basically travel all around the country and thank pastors and churches for their faithfulness in supporting everything we do together as the Covenant Denomination. And by that, I mean who we are, but I mean the efforts we're making to have an impact around the world for Christ. Our missions work, uh, the way that we're leaning into racial reconciliation and justice issues uh, and it's really, really fantastic to come across churches like Faith Covenant in uh, Sumner that are just doing such a great job of participating and supporting what it means to be a covenant church. So I personally am blessed by all of you. Um, I represent what's called three-strand strong in the covenant. It's from a verse in Ecclesiastes that says, you know, a three-strand rope or cord is not easily broken. And it really describes the relationship that we want to have and that we seek to have between local churches like yours, the regional conference, we're all a part of the Pacific Northwest Conference, and then the covenant denomination. And we say we're linked together tightly so that we can accomplish more together than any local church could accomplish by itself. Uh, And so I just affirm and encourage churches, you know, to be a part of everything that we're doing. And your church is fantastic in that way. So I I thank you. So I'm also delighted to do this today because um, I feel like I owe a, a little bit of a debt of gratitude to Pastor Kurt's family. I knew his father, Bill, covenant pastor, who's retired now. As a matter of fact, I was in his congregation the one year that I was at North Park Seminary in Chicago and was blessed to hear him preach each week. And um, in my very first year of ministry, after I had uh, gone uh, to a place called River Falls, Wisconsin and was pastoring a church, it was my very first midwinter conference. And I saw Bill, and Bill said hello to me, and he said, hey, Keith, why don't we just sit down for a couple of minutes? And tell me how things are going in your church. And I was so honored that, you know, a veteran uh, of covenant ministry, somebody I looked up to would want to know how I'm doing as a rookie. And so, you know, we sat down and I said, well, you know, um, a lot of things in church need attention. We've started small groups. They never had them before. And uh, I said, you know, we started a committee to uh, make a transition from, the board form to a council form of church government, and I said, I'm, you know, training people for visitation, and I've started this series from the Book of Romans. And he said, Hey, Keith, let me just stop you right there. He said, Be careful. You're trying to do an awful lot of things at once, and he said, You know, um, you're in danger of burning out. Just slow down a little bit. And then he said to me, those words that have just stuck with me, and I think we've probably all heard them before. He said, you know, Rome was not built in a day. You ever heard that before? Rome was not built in a day. He said, I'm I'm just concerned that you're just trying to do too many things too fast, and you are going to burn out. Boy, was that ever sage advice. I mean, that just stuck with me. And I went back. And I told uh, the board in my church about it, and they said, yeah, that's, that's right. You know, we don't want you to burn out, um, so let's just slow down the pace a little bit. And we can be working on all these things in the months and the years to come. But let's not, you know, force ourselves to do everything so quickly. Well, I will tell you this, in my job traveling around now, meeting with pastors, every once in a while I have a chance to say that to them. Just be careful you don't burn out. And folks, I, th- I think one of the things that, you know, one of the ways you can serve your pastoral staff um, is to remember how demanding their positions are and once in a while to just say to them, slow down, pace yourself a little bit, don't try to accomplish everything all at once. That's a heavy burden. All right, so to get back to today, um, I told Pastor Kurt, and by the way, when I met with him, I said, you know, if you're ever in need of a guest preacher, I'll be willing to do that if you're willing to take a chance on me. And uh, so as we were leading up to today, a month or so ago, maybe more, he contacted me and said, you know, would it be possible for me to come and preach today? And I said, I would be delighted to do that. And uh, we talked about what I may preach about, and I said, well, you know, if at all possible, I'd like to fit with the series that you have going. So if there's a way that I can just fit in and be a part of that, that's what I'll try to do. So that's what I'm going to try to do, keep the series going, all right? All right, it's called Reassembly Required, right? And it's a series about relationships, right? Some of the hardest stuff in life, relationships. And it's a series about, you know, what to do when relationships break down, right? Right? And, you know, what we can do to move towards reconciliation. And I know we say in the series that reconciliation is not the goal because, you know, we don't have complete control over that, do we? Uh, but we do want to walk away with a clean conscience. We, we want to know that we've done everything we can to make a relationship work. So we say it's no regrets. We'll come back to that in a minute. I have no doubt after nearly 40 years of pastoral ministry, that sowing seeds of discord in relationships is one of Satan's favorite strategies. Would you agree with me on that? No doubt about it. Discord in families, discord in relationships among neighbors and friends, discord among the people of the church. If he can do that, that's what he wants to do. He wants us to live in the constant turmoil of difficulties in relationships, and he wants to harm and hinder the work of the church. So we don't want to be naive about that. And human nature, being what it is, we so easily fall into the trap. And we have to work hard to overcome temptations, to break fellowship with others. And if we're going to repair those breaches that happen, we have to work hard at that. And it's interesting to me that this is nothing new in our time. We see it in the pages of Scripture. The Apostle Paul appealed to two women leaders at the church in Philippi to heal their breach so that the church could be more effective in its work and its ministry because he knew it was having a damaging impact. Uh, Paul himself had this big fallout with the Apostle Mark that took years to heal. We know it did get healed, but it took time. It's something that occurred on the first missionary journey, you know, and Mark sort of pulled up stakes, very young man, and went home at a time when Paul said he was needed so much for the work that they were doing. So I just want to say, this is the real down-to-earth, nitty-gritty stuff of life. I'll tell you this, uh, In uh, 2016, at Kent Covenant Church, we lost a dozen families in the aftermath of the 2016 presidential election because of the ways people got after each other on social media. And I didn't even know anything about it because I was not on social media. But as we were sort of unpacking what had happened, I had people on both sides of the political divide. Say this to me. I cannot sit in the same pew with someone who votes for Hillary Clinton or someone who votes for Donald Trump. I heard that from people. And it broke my heart as somebody who steadfastly refused to bring politics in the sense of who you should vote for into the pulpit. And yet this was going on in social media. I didn't even know about it. It was tragic tragic. All right, so um, Pastor Kurt taught about the C4 method of relationship management. You know what this is all about. I listen to these sermons, by the way, okay? So I know what's been going on, all right? Um, And, um, you know, it promises all kinds of things, but It never works. It wrecks relationships. We try to convince people that we're right, and if we're right, then they must be wrong. wrong. When that doesn't work, we move to coercion. We put pressure on people to come around and see things from our point of view. Subtle and not so subtle. When that doesn't get us there, we convict them, meaning we blame them, we label them. They're the ones that have got this problem that just goes on and on. I remember hearing uh, Rick Warren tell this story about a guy who had a big argument with his wife. And he came to Rick and he said, she went historical on me. And Rick said, you mean hysterical? He said, no, historical. She brought up every wrong thing I've ever done. How many of you have ever been in one of those kind of arguments? Go ahead, raise your hand if you've heard about your history in one of those discussions. All right. And then the last destructive C is control. We lay down the law. We say, this is the way it's going to be, you know, like it or lump it, and relationships break. Okay. So last week, Pastor Kurt started laying out what it takes to heal broken relationships. There are four skills that will help us skills because there are things we can learn how to do and we get better at them as we do them, okay? And there are always opportunities in life to practice these skills because relationships do get strained and stressed and sometimes broken, all right? He mentioned the first two I will get back to, not get back at, right? Now, the tendency of human nature is to want to get back at those who have hurt us and harmed us. We want to get even. But in reality, what we're really doing is we're escalating the issue. We're throwing gas on the fire. So if we want to reverse the trend, we have to say to ourselves, no, what God wants me to do here is get back to this relationship, not get back at this person. All right. And then the second skill is I will own my slice of the blame. This is powerful, and this is hard to do. But to say, you know what, I am at fault here. I do have to take my share of the responsibility. If you can even be generous about that, that helps too. Say to yourself, I'll take even more of the responsibility for what's going on here, because I want to see it get better. Today I want to introduce the third skill, and then uh, Pastor Kurt will talk about the fourth skill and wrap up the series Next week. I believe that's his plan. The third skill is I will make the first move regardless of who moved away first. Let me say that again. I will make the first move regardless of who moved away first. In other words, if you want to heal a breach, if you want to eventually get to reconciliation, you have to be willing to take the first step. You have to reach out and say, you know, let's not let this go any further. Let, let's talk about this. And this is when you are intending to get back to, not get back at, and you're willing to take your share, your slice of the blame pie. And you say to the person, I'll take my responsibility for the things I've done to put stress or strain here, to break this. I take my responsibility. Let's see if we can build a better future. As I was mentioning earlier, um, reconciliation is not really the goal. That's what we all want. But it's not really the goal because, you know, as we say sometimes, it takes two to tango. It takes two to break a relationship. And we want the other person to be motivated, but we don't always have control over that. So we just say we're going to do everything we can within our power. We're going to have no regrets. We're going to put our energy and effort into it. We're following the teaching of Romans chapter 12, verse 18, which says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, I love that verse. I've always loved that verse. Live at peace with everyone. That's our aim. But you'll notice there's some conditional clauses, aren't there? If possible. And as far as it depends on you. We cannot accuse the Apostle Paul of being sort of a pie-in-the-sky theologian. I mean, he was so practical and so down-to-earth. He understood relationships. He knew how difficult it could be. And he also understood that we don't really have control over outcomes. So if possible, you know, you know when you're putting your best effort into it. Insofar as it depends upon you, you know when you're sowing those seeds of peace and harmony. Live at peace with everyone. All right, Um, when it comes to developing this third skill, I will make the first move I have three observations that I want to pass along today, okay? Um, Here's the first one. Making the first move requires humility. It's not that easy to do, is it? I mean, really, it does require humility. It's not easy to admit when we're wrong. It's not easy to apologize. It's not easy to ask for forgiveness. We desperately want to believe that we're not really the one who caused the problem or at least not the main part of it. The other person lobbed the first insult, or the other person overreacted to something, or the other person misunderstood or misinterpreted something that we did. Stubborn human pride does not want to admit anything wrong. But until we swallow our pride and accept that I did wrong here, I bear responsibility, maybe in ways I don't even fully understand yet, but I am at fault and I need to own up to this or this relationship is not going to get fixed. And if I'm willing to admit my responsibility, it makes it easier for the other person to do so too. And maybe, 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 by the grace of God, we can get things fixed and where they should be. Now, folks, remember this, okay? This is powerful. This was important enough to Jesus to prioritize even above worship. You know that? I mean, we think worship is supreme, right? And it is. But what did Jesus say? Listen to these words Matthew chapter 5 if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled. Wow! That's amazing, isn't it? That's saying that God would rather have us go and pursue reconciliation with someone we're at odds with than sit through a worship service and remain at odds with that person. Now, you know that ancient Hebrew worship involved bringing animals for sacrifice, right? We don't do that anymore because in Christ, the final blood sacrifice has been made. We don't need to bring these animals to be slaughtered because Jesus was killed. His blood was shed on our behalf. He fulfilled. He finished. That kind of sacrificial system. Now we gather to sing songs of praise. And our worship band just did a fantastic job this morning, didn't they? Bringing us into the presence of the Lord, singing those Songs with those marvelous words, and we just all got swept up in it. That's that's a part of what we call worship now. That's how we worship God. It's more than that. We meet with God in prayer. We hear his word faithfully proclaimed. And I know from listening to Pastor Kurt, he does that week after week after week after week. I was so blessed listening to his messages and getting ready for today. And we present God with gifts for his kingdom's work. And that's all a part of what we call worship today. So basically, what those verses mean to us now is that if you walk in the door and you start to sing these songs, you hear the call to worship and you realize there's somebody out there that's upset with me because of something I have done. What does Jesus say? He says, leave the worship service and go get it right with that person. Get on your cell phone right out there in the lobby. Whatever you have to do, get it right with that person. Take those steps to get right with that person. Then come back and worship. Worship with a clean heart when you've done that. But take that first step. Now, in Scripture... Uh, humility is presented to us as the fruit of the Spirit, meaning, it's what it should mean, meaning the longer we walk with Jesus, the more of it that should develop in us, because this is something the Spirit of God is always trying to develop in us. It's a Christ-like quality, and the Spirit of God wants to do this in all of our hearts, in all of our lives. I'm not perfect at this. I'm actually pretty bad at it. But um, in my role as a pastor, I have known there were times when I needed to apologize. I just needed to apologize to somebody for something I said or something I did. And uh, as I look back over the years, one of those things that really sticks out at me was a time at um, Kent Covenant Church when some of my early years there, we were trying to have a building program Uh, And we eventually did have, it. you know, it gave us the gym that we have there. Uh, But it wasn't easy to get going, and it took a lot of time. There were a lot of obstacles. And I remember we were close to applying for our building permit, and we had this congregational meeting an evening, and, you know, it was time to vote on going forward with it. And I was aware, and it was brought up, that, you know, Some of the neighbors to our church weren't all that thrilled about the idea of us having a building program because it would mean more traffic on a side street uh, and that would have some impact on the neighborhood. And um, it was mentioned at the meeting, you know, that this was an issue, and somebody else, you know, raised their hand and said, yes, but uh, a church is a permitted use according to our zoning, so really the neighbors can't stop us. And I thought, well, I I need to say something. So I got up and I said, "Um, yes, but we want to be good neighbors. We, We want the people around us to feel blessed by our presence in the neighborhood. And then I said, you know, some of our neighbors are members of our church. We should keep that in mind. And then I said, some of those neighbors who are members of our church are here tonight. They're a part of this. Boy, did I really put my foot in my mouth on that one. I shouldn't have said that. Uh, 15 or 20 minutes later, a couple got up and left. And when the meeting was all over, another member of our church came to me and she said, You know, Keith, you really hurt their feelings with what you said. Well, I said, Tell me about it. Well, here's what you said. Do you realize how that came across to them? I thought, Oh, no. What have I done? Oh, I felt so bad just in the pit of my stomach. My, my heart just sunk to my stomach. I thought, yeah, that's right. That was terrible. I went to my office. It's now 10 o'clock at night. I, I thought, I'm not going to sleep tonight if I don't apologize. I picked up the phone and I called them on the phone. And I said, I'm so sorry. Could I stop by and apologize to you? I feel horrible about this. And I'll call her Laura, not her real name, said, um, well, you know, we were just about ready to go to bed. Uh, but she said, you know, we both felt really bad. And she said, I don't think we're going to get much sleep tonight. So yeah, why don't you stop by? They were neighbors, so it was just close. So I went over there, walked into their living room. Here they are in their bathrobes. I'm in a coat and tie. I said, I am so sorry about what I said tonight. I didn't think it through. You see, I had left the impression that somehow, as neighbors, they were opposed to us having the building program. I put them in a bad light. And I said, "I, I just want to apologize to you for that. That was so wrong of me to do that. They accepted my apology. Fred, we'll call him, said, you know, Pastor Keith, I would hate to have your job. Every time you stand up in front of people, you know, it's just a danger that you're going to say something that hurts somebody's feelings. And she said, uh, Laura said, thank you, Pastor Keith, for coming by and apologizing to us. We forgive you. We forgive you. And she said, I think we will sleep a lot better tonight. And I said, I will too. Um... That was a humbling moment for me, as the pastor of the church, to have to go and say, you know, I I should never have said what I said. I am so very sorry that I hurt you, and I fully understand why you were hurt by that. We don't want to do that, but that's what God calls us to do. Here's the next one. Um, Taking that first step demonstrates love. It really does demonstrate love. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, the agape love that we hear so much about in the New Testament that wasn't even anything that the Greek world valued. In fact, many scholars would argue that it was seen as kind of a weakness. The love that always treats others, everyone, with dignity and respect, Sometimes we define it as unconditional positive regard for someone, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done. We see the image of God in that other person, and we dignify them with the same kind of love that God has already shown to us. Think about that for a minute. He accepts us as we are. He loves us as we are. He loves us so much that you know he doesn't want to see us stay in the same condition that we're in as sinners and folks who are lost and away from him. But you know the Apostle Paul wrote at length about love in 1 Corinthians, and here are just some of the things he said. Just listen to this and think about this in the context of relationships. Okay? Um, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Boy, if we can deal with others... With that kind of love, that's powerful. That's life-changing. That's impactful. That's a formula for healing broken relationships. Practice love that way toward others consistently, and it's going to make a difference. There's nothing about that passage that suggests any of us are perfect. We're not It just holds up an ideal before us, and it says, here's how to live, here's how to treat others, here's what to do when there's a problem. Isn't it amazing how at the end of that section, the Apostle Paul says, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but which one is the greatest? Love. And the greatest of these is love. All right, here's my last observation Making the first move, regardless of who moved away first, shows godliness. It shows godliness. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean it is God-like to do that. Just think about everything God's done for us and how it came to us. That's what God did. God the Father sent His Son Jesus to us. He didn't have to. God wanted to. God wanted Us to be reconciled with him. So he sent his son. And by the way, you can see why we say no regrets is the goal. Because there are people around us that are turning God down, aren't they? On him sending his son for the sake of reconciliation. Coming back home to him. Living in a healed and whole relationship. God wanted to save us For eternity. God wanted to rescue us from the condition of sin that we find ourselves caught in. God wanted to make a difference in our lives. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God made the first move towards us as people lost in sin, lost in futility, lost in helplessness, human beings. All right, so listen to 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote to us. All this is from God who reconciled himself to us through Christ, or rather reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And He has committed to us, we got to hear this, and He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making His appeal through us. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. That's the work of the church. That's the work of each one of us as followers of Christ. That's saying that God has reconciled us to Him through Christ. In Christ, He has forgiven, forgiven us of our sins and healed our broken relationship and our estrangement so that our sins are never held against us again. And he has called us as followers of Christ, as disciples. That's all wrapped up in that word disciple, being a follower of Christ. Not just a believer, but a follower of Christ. He has called us as Christ's disciples to take the message of reconciliation to the world. Since reconciliation in Christ is our message, what do we need to do? How do we say it? We need to practice. We need to practice what we preach. We need to practice what we preach. Say that with me. We need to practice what we preach. We preach reconciliation. We need to practice it. We need to be willing to make that first move. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. God, this is so hard for us. We don't want to be naive about the fact that we have an enemy who loves to sow the seeds of discord in human relationships. We want to own up to the fact that our human nature takes the bait so often. We have no doubt that the enemy would like to break us apart from others we love and harm us by dividing us in the church. Thank you, O God. That you accept us as we are, that you draw us to Christ, that you change our hearts and our lives, and that you've done this amazing thing by actually putting in our hands as the church and as followers of Christ the message of reconciliation. Oh God, by your Spirit, help us to be messengers, agents of reconciliation, to live in the joy of a healed relationship with you and to want to bless others around us with the same. We thank you and we give you our praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Faith Cove podcast. Our music was written, performed, and produced by Adam Johnson. For more information about our church community, visit faithcovesumner.com. Until next time.